Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Uh, welcome back. I mean, it's it's so horrific to hear some of the experiences that people are having when uh, they take taxis. And I'm also going to assume that we're a radio station that caters to all. And if you're an owner or a driver, um, you know, in the way that Aldrin did the conversation yesterday, please send us a voice note to tell us your logic, your thinking, and or to comment on what, uh, you know, stories people are about their experiences with you. Welcome to the second hour of the Talking Point. Thank you for your voice notes. Those voice notes can keep coming on 61-410-4107 or you can call if you want to join the conversation on the Talking Point on SAFM as we lead the conversation. The studio line is 086-000-2032. That's 086-000-2032. So it's uh, Personal Finance Tuesday. This morning, Brian. Brian Hirsch is going to unpack the principles that are associated with your own financial journey. And if you didn't know, Brian Hirsch is the chair of Brian Hirsch Coley and Associates and is in our Johannesburg studio because we're in Cape Town this morning. Brian, good morning. Morning, KG. How are you this morning? Are you well? Yeah, top good. of the world, I'm thank you. And I'm really pleased to let our listeners know that I've now completed and caught up with all the questions calling all the people back who have put questions to me over the last few weeks. In other words, if you have not received a call from me, that's incorrect. You probably didn't have an answering service or I left a message on your voicemail. But if you haven't received a call, please call back the radio line. We'll give it out at the end of the program because I now am fully up to date. I am dealing with some horrific problems. I've got one particular lady. Her husband died 11 years ago. Uh, he was with her in a pension fund for 16 years. She's been paid out 1,000 rand. Sounds absolutely <gasps> ludicrous. Fortunately, it's not the government employee pension fund because that's an impossible uh, fund to deal with. And I hope someone is listening from the government employee pension fund. It is disastrous trying to get information from your organization, but this is a private company and hopefully we'll be able to speak to them and find out what's happening. But up to date, and if you haven't got a call back or you haven't heard from me, it's because you probably didn't have an answering service. So fantastic. So we shift to today, Brian, yeah. and today we are talking about the principles that are associated with an individual in, individual's financial journey. Do you want to elaborate on yes, that? Yes, I do. Firstly, it's a, pro, it's a subject we talk about often, and often I get asked questions on this program once we open it up to, to callers, and a lot of the questions have that, I, that I get asked, I have to deal with these principles. But for many of our new listeners who may have just joined for the first time and not heard the financial program because I'll get a lot of people who say to me oh I heard you on radio I've never heard you before I've been this program has been running for 30 years so it's for particularly for listeners but most important it is many for mainly a lot of new listeners and then repeating some of the things look big, saving and investments can be very frightening at this time um, I mean, inflation continues to rear its head, and the dangers about inflation is the U.S. announced last week that it's possible that interest rates are going to rise again, 
and they're going to be at these high levels for much longer. That's extremely good news for pensioners and people who are earning interest. However, that doesn't, isn't, does not bode well for those who are in debt, who've got bonds, who've got motor car finance and the cost of living. We're probably going to have quite a big petrol increase. I don't know if it's been announced yet. I haven't heard it. But inflation is a problem. And now with petrol prices moving up and the RAND trading above the 19 and the oil price above 19, these are all problems. But interest rates hikes have really caused working South Africans not only great anxiety, but most of them are short of money at the end of the month to pay off debt and the bills of life. And let me make this comment. I mean, recently FNB data indicated that less than 22% of their customers have more than one week's worth of emergency savings. And comment was also made in the press that most South Africans actually, their funds by the first week of the month, their monthly funds that they received the previous month, their salaries are actually used up in the first week. Just like to add one thing, remember, a lot of debit orders, a lot of your expenses come off the first week, insurance company mm-hmm. debit orders, medical aid debit orders, and therefore all that you've got left is to live for the rest of the month because you should have most of those things be paid off. But it's a real problem. And one of the big do's is to keep re-looking at your budget and see where you can free up cash that can be used for daily livings. You have to look at this very carefully. You have to look at your input in terms of what you spend on your computer, different programs, what um, you're using on your phone, what those costs are. And you really need to shop around for goods as well. I mean, you talk about the different uh, uh, retail stores. Some of them are, mm. are uh, very much more, less expensive than others. And then if there's anything left over, either for savings or for an emergency, and if you're more fortunate, then you can think about investing. A critical do not in these times is to get involved in anything that sounds too good to be true. And I repeat that. If it's too good to be true, it probably is good to be true. And there are a lot of, KG, a lot of scams. I'm getting phone calls from people saying, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? I've been offered 18%, 20% and all these things. Really, stay away from the scams. Stay away and stick to brands. The scammers know the predicament of South Africans and they're quicker, very quick, to offer get-rich schemes. For those listening who have younger children or even grandchildren, talk to them about starting their investments as soon as they can. You can even start with a small amount. You don't, it's not about, you know, it's not about, if you do nothing, you'll have nothing. If you start with a small amount, you will have something. What is important is understanding the difference between savings and investment. And I harp on this a lot because savings is short-term money that you set aside for some activity or project And here you want certainty and security. Stick to money markets and fixed deposit accounts. Don't go looking further. For pensioners, you can certainly look at government retail bonds and you can t- where you're not taking on any risk. And, you know, a go- five-year government retail bond is paying 10.5%. Now, you may say, well, I can get nearly that in my bank today. But interest rates will come off next year. They'll come off globally next year. And when interest rates come off, if you're in six months or 12 months fixed deposits, you will find that you will suffer as interest rates come off. And then investing is where your intention, you need to beat inflation over five years. 
and longer. And that is why you need to be thinking long term. And we've had a couple of callers in the last few weeks, and I've spoken to a few people who are very disappointed in their returns. And examining further why they've been disappointing, we've had very disappointing returns in our South African property market, our South African equity market. And that is why when you diversify, you need to be looking offshore. The offshore companies, the Amazons, the Microsoft, this is not tipping companies. This is just mentioning a few. The NVIDIAs, the, the Visa card, Louis Vuitton. These are cutting-edge industries. Uh, you know, if you think about people are now saying, you know, I want to be in electric cars. Well, Tesla's sales were, were a little bit disappointing. But, you know, you, you've got to look at these things and you've got to be thinking offshore. And if you've got a ca- cash available that is not set aside for emergency or projects, these are great times to be buying. Warren Buffett always said, but when, when there's blood in the street, it's time to buy. And when everyone is euphoric and everything is going so well, it's time to sell. Well, these are blood in the street times. People are struggling. People don't have money. Uh, interest rates are high. The news globally is poor. And this is the time to buy and to be investing for the long term. But then if you have debt that you cannot settle, you need to talk to the institution, KG. It's absolutely important. Don't just ignore it uh, or any party that you owe money to and do not sweep it under the carpet and think it will go away. It will not. And if you've got investments and times are bad, what you need to look at is have a talk to your financial advisor, have a look at those investments, how should they be modified, certainly for the long term. Don't suddenly just stop them and, and change track. If you're in a growth asset and you've got long term, be, be, just, get, just get advice on whether you're in the, in, in, in the right funds. And that will set you, set you up well going into the future. The most important yeah. is Let do your budget. Let me ask for indulgence, yeah. Brian, yeah. Uh, when I, uh, as I go to a quick commercial break and then allow you to further elaborate when we come back from break. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. Welcome back to the personal finance segment uh, for Tuesday with Brian Hirsch. And today, as you heard, Brian, he's been unpacking the principles that are associated with your own financial journey. Brian Hirsch is chair of Brian Hirsch Coley and Associates. I mean, it was a interesting for me to hear, uh, you know, the findings of one of those four banks about how uh, a large part of South Africans uh, have all of their salary spent, really, by the first week of the month. It would be interesting to hear what they say uh, people live off uh, of the uh, three weeks of the month. Brian? Well, you know, 75 to 80 percent of your spend is on those things that you've got debit orders for, your medical aid, Mm. your insurance policies, your rent. And all those things that you need to be paid right at the beginning of the month. And then the rest of the monies you've got available is what you're going to live on for food and any other essential items, transport and so on. But I think that's what you need to also do is have a look at that budget. Your budget needs to be broken up. This is what my monthly budget is. But this is where I'm spending money at a particular period in time. I also want to just make one other comment, KG, which are particularly for elderly people who are scared to commit to longer-term investments. The danger for all of our elderly listeners is that interest rates are high at the moment and very attractive and a lot more attractive than they were two years ago when pensioners did struggle. Now, you're fixing money for a year and six months, and you may be holding money because you don't want to commit long-term. My mother had 100000 in the bank. And every six months, she used to go back to the bank and ask them what to do. And she used to phone me every six months and saying, 
son, what must I do? And I didn't want to get involved because I didn't want to. And I, my mom used to reinvest. She kept reinvesting that six-month money for over 10 years. Now, if she'd taken a longer-term view at that time, she would have done a lot better. So what I'm saying to our pensioner listeners is the fact that you're getting high rates of interest. Understand interest rates have to come down. Inflation has to come down. And in high interest rates will bring inflation down, which means interest rates will start to fall. So don't neglect and, and forget that a five-year investment for an older person, it, it, where you're not taking on any risk, but you're locking in these higher rates of returns, is a certainly a good way to go. Have a look at government retail bonds. Have a look at five-year, if you're in a high tax bracket, have a look at a five-year income plan from insurance companies where your capital and your income is guaranteed. Don't just sit at these high rates of interest because you will need more in the next three to five years because of inflation and you will have less because interest rates will be down. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, so this is for now the older market. And uh, one of the things you were saying about uh, the younger market is that uh, it's never too early to start diversifying your investment portfolio. Yeah, and start explaining to your children. Don't think your children at the age of nine or ten. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little example. One of my, I needed to do something on my computers today that my grandson at 11 had done for me on my cell phone and I gave it to my ladies in the office and asked them please to sort it out. Believe it or not, they couldn't do it. So don't think the 10 and 11 and 12 year olds are so stupid. Give them knowledge. Let them start learning now. Let them start listening to programs. Let Talk to them about budgets. Talk to them about the family issues. Why sometimes there's not enough to buy them that ice cream. Talk to them. Start educating them to make sure that they're in a situation which is different to the situation of so many of our older people where their children yeah. haven't been educated. Start to educate children. And it's a pity that they don't at school have these programs for children where they're actually training them and teaching them from a young age about budgeting and about saving and about investments because they learn quickly. Look how quickly they learn with technology. Yeah. Uh, so we've got a caller, uh, Spiwe. Uh, I'll give him the opportunity to ask you his question. Then uh, you can ponder on it as we go to news headlines and then you can respond to him when we come back from the news headlines. Spiwe, good morning. Good morning, Ketchi. Good morning, Tupain. Morning, Spiwe. Thank you. Uh, mine is more of an advice more than anything. I've, I've got a retirement annuity standard. Um I had a problem with my broker because I think he was not looking after the police um, correctly. And and my police, it hasn't been reviewed for the past three, four years. And whenever I get or I look out for personal advisor, people want me to restart. And this is my second retirement annuity that I had to restart based on that People that I was referred to, I said they were not looking after my interest. So is there any possibility that we can refer me to someone? I have it with Sandam, and I think it's sitting at, at, at good six figures. But my problem is now, every time I go to somebody who want me to restart the policy, and I find that I'll lose out. Can I be referred to somebody under Sandam as a retirement, um, for retirement annuity? 
So Do you want, want to respond quickly, Brian? Want me to respond quickly? Well, well let me make mm-hmm. this comment. When you say I've got a policy with Sunlum and it hasn't been looked after, remember, you're buying a policy and investment from an investment house. The underlying investments are what need to be looked at because those investments need to be changed. But there's a bigger problem, and, and Sapiwi makes the point. He wants to appoint someone else. The question is, if someone's not going to earn on that policy and not going to earn some fees for the work they do, how do they get repaid? So what, I, what may I suggest the following? Let's leave this till after the break because this is a good question that Sapiwi's put to me, okay. and I'll deal with it on, when we return. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Brian. So it's 10.30. It's time for the news headlines. Nomali Zomandela is standing by. Talking finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. So welcome back. We've been talking finance with uh, Brian Hirsch this uh, Tuesday morning. And there was an important uh, question that came from Spiwe in Guazul Natal uh, regards uh, retirement annuity that Brian was in the middle of answering before we had to go to news. Do you want to continue, Brian? Yeah, I think Spiwe makes a good point. Someone wants to, he wants advice from a financial planner. Uh, the old generation type investment policies, retirement annuities, endowment policies, there was an enormous amount of front end loading of commission where the financial planner was paid a large portion of the commission in the first two years and after the second year, very little commission continued. But the new generation policies are as and when. So as you make investments, uh, the insurance company charges their monthly fee and a financial planner is paid their monthly fee. We work for, give an example, I work on anything between a high of 1% a year and a low of half a percent where I provide advice. And if if, if that fund, if if anyone takes business away from me, they can appoint a new financial planner to those investments who will then continue to earn. That is the problem. So when you're buying products today, make sure that you're buying products where the commissions are paid as and when, so that if you if you want to appoint a new financial planner, you can, and they will continue to earn on that investment so that they'll be able to earn something in terms of providing you advice. So Peewee, what we need to do is, I'm going to give my, give my number out at the end of the program. I need to, we, I need to talk to Sunlam and see who, where, you'll have to let me know where you're phoning from so I can let Sunlam, uh, someone in your area that can make contact with you. So the new generation type investments are as and when. As you make an investment, if you make a monthly investment, if you make a large uh, upfront investment, that will be paid. As it goes, it will be paid, and that can be changed from one financial advisor, one broker to another, uh, where that person will then continue to earn. Fantastic. Thank you, Brian. We have some voice notes for you, and you can respond to them as soon as they're played. Uh, morning, Sis KG. Uh, Sis KG, since you are speaking with Brian Head, and Brian Head is mentioning something about medical aid. He's not on medical aid. But uh, I wish you could ask Brian Uguti, why is it medical aid? Forced. Why should they force us to have medical aid where we are working? As for me, I'm working for the government and they are forcing us to have this medical aid. And one of my friends is in hospital right now. They can't operate her because they say uh, they, they cannot take her medical aid. You see things like that. 
but every month she's paying around 3000 rand for a medical aid but she can't be operated because they cannot accept that medical aid <coughs> i don't know if brian head can say something or make us understand something about these medical aids thank you well thank you for that comment let me i did deal briefly with medical aid last month when you talk about three thousand rand per month you're really talking about a hospital plan you know we've been waiting in the industry to come up with low cost uh, low cost plans but the government has not yet approved it and i was dealing with it on tv last week with head of discovery and they were saying they still all they're waiting is for someone to press a button but when you talk about I'm, i'm absolutely horrified because a hospital plan covers hospitalization and when you talk about your friend i'll come to the second part of your question but when you call to talk to your friend and colleague who's not getting treated by medical aid because they're not accepting the medical aid that sounds very strange and one needs to investigate that so i i will try my best i'm not going to make a promise we'll give my number out of the program and i need to find out from our pre- medical aid expert what why they're not doing something on that regarding forcing you to have a medical aid it is a condition of employment and a condition of employment is that you contribute to both both the pension fund <coughs> and medical aid however there must be choices within the government employee funds that you can choose what type of medical aid they can't force you to be on a comprehensive medical aid but there could be a whole lot of plans and you need to have a look at the plan you're on and as i said last week always look at if you're going to downgrade what are you giving up in terms of one medical aid to another it's not just about money you can't come down from a 8000 rand plan to a 4000 plan and think you're not giving up some benefits you need to understand what those benefits are but hospitalization is usually and it's very unusual i had a case only last week where the the, the individual needed a pacemaker and the insurance company uh, the medical aid did not want to give permission well my practitioner then and well done and i'm going to mention his name clayton samsudin he helped he got that authorization within a couple of hours and they were able to do the pacemaker can't understand what the delay was when you're in hospital lying there and you need a pacemaker so with your friend that's one thing and with yourself you need to talk to them what options do i have what benefits do i need and you need to talk to a healthcare specialist who can explain to you as i said what are you giving up from one medical aid to another and if you have to ever upgrade you can particularly if you're in a low cost type scheme and you now need to upgrade to something because you've got a procedure ahead of you they can't deny you and that's the problem there is selection often against the medical aid and where someone who's got a, a, a low cost scheme a hospital scheme and now needs a major operation uh, and and or major event that the the medical aid isn't covering they can upgrade immediately immediately and get that service which means they're going to select against the medical pool but uh, i hope that helps you fantastic answer thanks brian uh, let's hear the next voice note fantastic thank you last voice note good morning to you kg good morning to your team good morning to our guest brian thank you brian thanks very much you helped me a lot on asfm regarding my issue of owing sars almost 22000 rand for 2020 assessment but the case was cleared yesterday brian i received emails that i am not owing sars i never get anything from sars for the past 7 years but they were saying i'm owing 
Ah, thanks for, for your help, right? My lawyers took all the RP5 to SARS. The case was cleared. SARS said they are only owing me 56 cents. <laughs> thanks, Brian. Keep it up. Thank you. I'm pleased to hear that news. Always good to, I love that always to get Brian. some good results. All right. It's incredible. So here's another one, Brian, from, you, for, for, from somebody for you. It reads, what happens to Provident Fund and interest when uh, moved from the momentum to old mutual? Yeah, look, very simply, often funds do move. They, and the fund moves its investment or administration from one pension company to another pension company. It shouldn't have any impact on you whatsoever. There's a reason why they've done it. They have brokers, and the brokers obviously have satisfied the trustees of the reasons. The costs may be less. They may want to be doing other investments, but there should be no reason why if you leave, if the fund moves from company A to company B, uh, that there should be any loss to you. Uh, all you've got to do is ask the fund. You've got your past membership statement, and when the fund is moved, ask them for a new membership statement and just have a look at the two. But there should be no problem when a company moves from company A to B. That, that is the responsibility of trustees. Being a trustee is an onerous responsibility, and uh, members look up to the trustees to do what's best for them. Fantastic. Another one. Please ask Brian, how can we invest in gold? It's from Cameron Kleinhans. Well, you know, you can invest in the metal, but bear in mind, the metal is the question of the rand value of gold. We got the price this morning. I was absolutely surprised because gold at 1827 is near, it's near its low of the last year or two. And if you think about what's going on in the world, but let me make this point. There is no return on gold. And with interest rates globally being higher, I mean... If you go back two years in America, people were not even getting a quarter percent. In Europe, the same. In Britain, the same. And in Europe, in some of the European countries, there was actually negative returns. Yes, believe it or not, you put money in the bank, you got no interest, you actually paid a fee for having that money in the bank. Those interest rates are all up, and at this point in time, interest rates are at, at very much highs over the last 15 to 20 years. They're trading close at 5%. So if you buy gold, you're holding gold. The only effect in, benefit of gold is the increase in the price of gold or the fall in the rand. But if you can put the money in an investment at 5%, why would you want to hold gold? But as, as, as Warren Buffett always says, when everyone is th throwing and selling everything away, it's not a bad time to buy. And if you want to buy gold, and I'm not questioning and I'm not recommending, because one would, before one recommend, one needs to understand a client's f full portfolio, every piece of the jigsaw puzzle. But if you want to buy gold, you can buy into a gold exchange uh, traded fund. You can go onto Satrix uh, and you can buy a fund that is very much linked to commodities and gold, where you've got all our different commodities. Another reason why these prices have come down is because of global downturn. And people are saying, well, we don't need all the commodities we had, which does create problems for South Africa because we were exporting so much and we're certainly not exporting the same. Uh, you can go into exchange traded fund. You can go on to Satrix or Signia and, and go onto their website and have a look. And if you want to buy into gold for a small percentage of your portfolio, again, I'm making the comment, I would never advise anyone 
to do anything with one piece of a jigsaw puzzle, one saying gold, how, how does that fit into your overall portfolio? But that is the way you buy gold. Uh, talk to someone, talk to your financial advisor to understand. I've got a few clients who've asked me to buy cryptocurrencies. Well, I know nothing about cryptocurrencies. What we've done oh. is we've allocated a small percentage that at their risk, their decision, and we've created a second account and we hold that crypto for them. Uh, and it's their decision. But uh, again, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, an investment we know too much about. Uh, gold has been around for a long time, and uh, as you know, we go back many, many years. We go back into the 19th century when there was the gold boom in South Africa, and there was a rush to uh, to to find gold. The gold it costs money to bring gold to the board. You've got you've got uh, salaries to consider. You've got all the costs to consider. I'm not going to put you off gold, but you buy it through an exchange traded fund. Uh, go on to the SIG, to the rather go on to the Satrix site, S A T R I X, and you'll be able to see what uh, gold uh, counters there are to buy. Don't go and buy the, the com- commodity yourself, and don't go and buy a share in the market because every company, although it has an advantage of increase in the price of gold, they're still running businesses and they run businesses in a very different way. Okay, great. We have two new voice notes that have come through for you, Brian. Hi, Brian. Um, I'm a pensioner. I've got a lump sum and I'm scared that our economy is going to crash and I'd wish to know where can I hide my money to to keep it safe from uh, economic crash. Thank you. Well, to our pensioner, re- understand when you say hide, how, hide for how long? I remember the game hide and seek. Uh, oh, oh, my, I always let my grandchildren catch me. But hi- the hide is the wrong word. If you don't need the funds, then you can invest in a in a, com- in, a, in a in a diversified portfolio, which, as I said earlier in the program, must include offshore companies. Yeah, South Africa's economy is struggling. It's been struggling for a long time. Uh, One of the main reasons is people don't have money with high interest rates. People don't have that sort of money to invest. They're paying more for their bonds, more for transport. If you've got uh, motor car finance, that's costing more. So if you've got surplus funds over and above your pension, you need to get some advice from a financial advisor who can advise you where you should be placing that money. And the two important considerations are when will you need to access those funds? So what is your time horizon? And secondly, are you looking for growth or you're looking for income? If you're looking for income, you're going to be in very different investments than to those if you're looking for growth. So those are important because income in South Africa, you won't do better anywhere else in the world than investing in government bonds or retail bonds or even money market instruments. But for growth, I like very much more the offshore markets. The offshore markets came off last month 6%, so always opportunity as the fear is high interest rates globally. But remember, investing is long-term, 5, 10 years out. Short-term is savings. That's where you're looking for income. So pensioner, don't worry about hiding and our economy. Uh, Yes, our economy, but there's still good companies in South Africa. That doesn't mean that a good company means a good share. So get advice. But certainly, if you've got 
long-term time horizon, my view is investing global companies that are at the cutting edge of world industries, which unfortunately we don't have many in South Africa. We do have good companies, but cutting edge companies, very difficult to find. Yeah, we'll, we'll uh, take the next footnote and a uh, caller. Janusz, I know that you're there when we come back from this uh, short break. Talking Finance with Brian Hirsch, making sense of your finance. We've been making sense of your finance with uh, Brian Hirsch. It's Personal Finance Tuesday, and uh, Brian has been unpacking the principles of your own financial journey and taking your calls and your voice notes. Uh, we've got another voice note for Brian. KG and uh, good morning to Brian. Uh, Brian, I just wanted to know, man, is can is there something that we can do regarding uh, a pension fund where the the employer, also in the metal industry, um, the employer deducted uh, an amount and he was supposed to, to to also deposit the same amount into that account um, towards the, the the pension, but um, <laughs> we actually found out that um, when, when we went, when, when one of the, the, the members went to claim the, the pension, he found out that um, the employer only paid his part, um, or the, 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 the employer's part. They never added their part to any of the employers. Is there maybe a chance that we can sort of claim that money or, 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 or fight that corruption within that company? Thank you. Yes, I mean, I find that absolutely abhorrent. I, I mean, there's, there's been comments made how many companies have deducted pension money from the employees and have not paid it over to their funds. And I think that, I mean, I, I cannot understand the FSB, the Financial Services Board, the Financial Securities Commission. I cannot understand why they are not, you know, not putting more pressure on these companies to pay this money over. It's like PAYE, it's like VAT that has to get paid over, and yet they deduct from employees' funds and don't pay the money over. Yes, you have to put pressure on the company. You have to put, now, the fact that you're, you're contributing to the metal industries, you're an employee by some company who's deducting the money and paying it over either to the metal industries or not paying it over and you've got to take you've actually got to take them to task and you need to call an employee meeting with your employees and you need to put pressure on the company to pay that money over and go to the FSB the financial services board and say to them the money has not been paid over and not only has it not been paid over but the, the, the you're losing out on investments from the companies that should be receiving it we had someone ask a question earlier on about a fund moving from Liberty to Old Mutual, the funds will still be invested. Here the monies are not being invested and employees are losing out. So put pressure on the employer to make sure that your monies are being paid over. And here you've got a perfect example where an employee is withdrawn from the funds and there's not sufficient monies because not all the money's been paid over. The employer has to make good and even if you have to go and find some attorney who will work on contingency, you know, who, or will take on the case on a pro bono pace, case to actually take actual action against the company. Fantastic. Janusz in Cape Town, I know you've been holding quite a while. Do you want to get through to uh, uh, Brian to talk your South's question? Hi. Hi, Texas. 
Yes. Uh, hi, KG. Hi, Brian. Morning, Janus. Uh, Janus, you weren't holding on because you've got a permanent line to SAFM. I mean, you're one of our loyal <laughs> callers in. So you must just have a, uh, you must have a direct line. Wow. Yes, yes. I, I think I need all deserve some, some sort of financial. <laughs> no, <laughs> yes, Janus. How can I help you? Okay, uh, I'm talking about the taxes. We know that, for instance, in the government and big institutions, like KG for work for the SABC, and she got no control over, over her taxes. It's done according to the tables. We don't know how these people who, who charge these taxes, whether they're doing this properly or not, eventually perhaps we will learn that we own the money or she will learn it or it's overpaid. We know that how this, this South works. When you... When you own the money, one day later you you coming with a payment. You are penalized. When they when they own your money, then it's actually taking years to to repay. But my point is, what do you think about it? Because now I listen to the some some uh, some some comments that we actually uh, I'm on private sector, on the private sector, on the private sector, we should rather underpay taxes and um, use this money as a saving and investment. Because you know, because this, this uh, we we don't know what actually happened. We're supposed to pay the taxes because these taxes are supposed to be used for our roads and, and so and so. But now we know what's happening there. How this does it, does it work on the way around? So, what is your opinion? Should we rather should we rather not paying as full as, as it's supposed to and and keep this? Keep this money and invest this money. Of course, we had eventually we had to pay, but uh, but we know that for instance, rich rich people, clever people, especially on the private sector, sector, if they got a good lawyers or good good people who can control their day taxes, they don't pay a full amount. You know. What is your opinion about it? Well, you know, it's a, it's a misnomer when you say rich people don't pay the right amount of taxes. If, you, if you're a salaried employee, the same way as your salary is paid each month, certain deductions, pension fund deductions, medical aid deductions, and taxes are deducted as per the tables. The salary departments have to work per table. They don't just suck numbers out. But if you're a provisional payment, if provisional payment, which means you have more than one source of tax to pay, not just from your salary, but you've got interest you've earned and maybe some commission or maybe some bonuses and things like that, I'm fully in agreement with you. I would rather owe the receiver revenue than the receiver revenue owes me. So, yes, I go along with that, but you have to pay your taxes on due date or they will charge you interest. By the way, if the receiver revenue does owe you money and they don't pay you, they do, they do calculate interest at a much lower rate than the interest you pay. So if you are earning from multiple sources, pay on time. You've got provisional payments. You've got top-up payments. You've got to get tax returns in on time that you don't want penalties. But yes, rather owe the, uh, owe the receiver than they owe you for another reason. When they owe you money, they will always do an audit and they will always ask a whole lot of questions. So better to owe them. But taxes are paid based on earnings, less any expenses, any medical aid claims, any rebates, anything like that. And there are tables. And I, I haven't found too many situations where the calculation of tax deducted. We had a caller who said he was asked for 22000 I helped him and he didn't have to pay anything because they had not miscalculated something. So often it is worth getting a, a tax practitioner to calculate for you. But Yunus, you're right. Pay less. 
owe the receiver revenue, but the message is pay on time so you don't occur interest payments. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Janice. Thank you, Yanish. So I'm going to read a text to you, Brian, that just came through. Hi, Brian Hirsch. I think everyone covers about saving and emergency saving. My suggestion is that people also put a food saving plan, example, 300 rand a month for 12 months equals 3,200 a year or even a lump sum of 1,300 rand a month. I don't get it, but I think it's from Shavesh. Do you want to explain, do you want uh, you to comment on it, Brian? Well, very simply, I don't think it's ever a bad idea to put some money away for a pro- making a provision for an emergency. It's all part of your emergency savings. And if you want to comp- compartmentalize them, that's fine. Because remember, every single month and during the course of the year, there are extras that come up. I love it when my, life, my wife gives me a list. She says, this is what I've spent in the month. That looks okay. And then behind it is another list of all the extras that have come up. So I think provision for emergency, not even emergency, just things that you know are going to come up. Set a set it aside. You do it in a budget, so set it aside in that budget. If you don't spend it, then you can do something with that later. And if it, and if it suddenly comes up, at least you've got the funds available. Fantastic. Do you want to give your contact details, yeah. Brian? Just one thing, no? please. When you leave a message for me, you must leave where you're phoning from and you must leave all your numbers. And please, if you don't have an answering service, it's very difficult when I call back and you've got no answering service. My number is 11 880-488. I, I, I do take anything up to two and a half weeks to answer all the calls I get. Thank you. And to our listeners Thank you. and to UKG and to the rest of the studio uh, staff, a good, a good week. Thank you, Brian. Brian Hirsch from uh, uh, the chairperson of Brian Hirsch, Coley & Associates. It's 11 o'clock now. Normally, Zomandel standing by with the news.